man. How's it going? It's going, man. How have you been? That's good. Been pretty good. I think it's it's been a while. I know. I was, sure. I was looking at our conversation. The last time we spoke was like two years ago. Yeah, back in uh, good old 2019 there. Yeah. Pre-COVID. I know. Yeah. We have a whole different life now. I know, right? Jeez. Yeah, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, any, anyways, uh, I'll, you know, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick, uh, who you are, what you drive, and where you drive, and then we'll go from there, man. Sounds good. So my name is Ryan Drutz, and I live in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. I compete in the Spec D Pro-Am series. And I drive a 95 Nissan 240SX with a 6-liter LS. Sick. So a relatively simple car. Yeah. What trans do you have in that thing? Uh, I'm running a CD09. Okay, I do remember. That guy, so. Were you running that before? Do I remember? Yeah, I've been, I've been running that since like the beginning that I built that car. So I think it's been about five years so far. So I've... I'd like to make the switch over to a dog box eventually, but I mean, just kind of waiting for like the right deal to come up. But at the same time, if it's not broken, why change it, right? Oh, I wish I I envy you. I always want to do something new to my car. It's part of the yeah, uh, feel, part of the process, I guess. Yeah, I feel that. Like, it's always like wanting to change something, but it, it's definitely challenging to hold off and not do anything to the car. Especially when it's like working. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, so I know. Uh, I think last we spoke, I don't remember if we spoke after your wreck. Um, when when was your wreck? I remember that we spoke, and then shortly after, you ended up having to uh, pretty much replace the car. Yeah. So that would have happened in in. Would have been 2019 that was that season when i had the wreck that it kind of rode off the chassis mm-hmm. for it and luckily enough i think yeah it's pretty much just like a front control arm like a wheel and a couple other things but the damage kind of was so far back that it like pushed in the firewall and pushed all the floor in and stuff so i from there i was on the hunt for a new chassis i was lucky enough to find one that had like a blown up sr in it so i got that one parted it out and pretty much just transferred everything over, mm-hmm. and then uh, just put a new ro- like put a roll cage in it, and then everything else was just right over, swapped over, so it wasn't too much. And then after that, it was just like I wrote off the rest of that season because it happened at round one of that year, so it was pretty much just hammer that car back together over like the rest of the season, and then I came out next year for it with the new car. Okay, that okay. That's my memory is sort of close, a little cloudy, but I wasn't sure if we spoke after that. I think you and I had just spoke, and then the accident happened like not very long after. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty freakish. But I mean, I was lucky that it was. I wasn't too hurt from it, and this is also like kind of prior to us implementing Hans into our uh, series. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that was. Uh, kind of pre like Hans and Halo seats so that was uh you definitely got a decent amount of whiplash from it but you you learn from that and realize the importance of safety stuff so now it's kind of I'm kind of thankful for all that stuff that's in place yeah for sure uh, so 
how badly because i remember you posting about it briefly when you were talking about um the potential of the floor tearing in one of your posts uh so my memory is vague um is that what ended up happening when they went to go pull it yeah so i guess the probably it was it was at the point when i was going to a whole bunch of frame shops and up here as far as like finding frame shops that are willing to work on the kind of like a race car chassis it's pretty challenging so i found like a a local shop that was willing to kind of at least attempt it and so with the cage kind of being in place they were starting to pull the chassis and then it was just pretty much just pulling it apart and not actually straightening the chassis for it so it was kind of they weren't able to do anything with it so it was just either like you pretty much would have had to have caught uh, like cut the cage fully out for it in order to like try to make somewhat of a progress to it and like pull it straight. But even then they were just, there was kind of little to no hope. So, I mean, at the end of it, you probably could have gone in and probably just completely cut out the whole floor for it, but then trying to find a shell to swap over a floor and then hoping that it's still all going to be straight. There was a lot more work involved to it. So Luckily enough, I just found a shell that kind of, once I parted it out, paid for itself. And then you were kind of just at the cost of a roll cage. Okay, so that's not too terrible then. That's Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Like, I mean, definitely there's money out of pocket that I had to kind of to make it work. Yeah, but of course. We got it together and yeah, it's been, it's been good ever since. So, uh, since you wrote off 2019, and I'll just assume you wrote off 2020 because 2020 didn't happen for anybody. As far as I remember, yeah, I we, that... we mm, yeah, we would have had a partial season there. Yeah, so twenty twenty, we still had somewhat of a season mm-hmm. for it on that. So it was a lot of things really non like no spectators or anything like that oh, okay. for events. But we we still uh, ran that, and yeah, that was that was a decent year. I think overall, yeah, like we. I think we had about four events for it. And then we pretty much had an out of province event that was like a double points round. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it was good. So, how how did your 2020 and your 2021 seasons go? So, 2020, I ended up finishing about fourth overall in points for it. So, kind of just out of the range, like, the running for like kind of it was a close gap but at the same time it was enough for it so i didn't end up winning like kind of i think any events for that except mm-hmm. for the one event that i did was the last one of the year where i ended up like in the first in the last or in practice i ended up crashing into the wall again head on for it Ugh. and like the crew kind of just like everyone like was all hands on deck and they kind of got the car together we like ripped off like we put a hole in the rad, they patched the rad, and, like, the whole front support was, like, out of the car, so it was, like, no bash for anything like that, and, like, we didn't even get any, like, kind of practice time for it, other than, like, I had probably three laps before the crash, and then, yeah, it was kind of just all haggard, and it was all in one piece, and then ended up, like, we ended up winning that event, so it was it was a pretty, like, good end to, like, the 2020 season mm-hmm. for it, so... Yeah, it was a, it was a blast. Like I would have never been able to do it without like, 
like the, the crew that like all the guys that are over there like wrenching on the car and like just like bashing hammers into it and stuff so it was pretty cool to have like all those guys behind you and so helping out and like so many people around in the pits were offering parts so it was it was good good to see like how everyone kind of came together to help out yeah the camaraderie yeah. in drifting is always is always a sight to see for sure yeah so uh so was good how was uh so did you get do you guys only do three licenses at the time because i know it's changed this year yeah we did so last year was so yeah we only have done three licenses so that was in 2020 and then 2021 we pretty much just ran just a shootout for it so so that we ran just the shootout and then we had another round here that was kind of like a competition round that was for fun, but also like it was just like a full blown competition for it. So it was still top 16 format. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But it was, it wasn't was, like uh, sanctioning and, anything. Yeah, it wasn't sanctioned or anything, but we had our like pros, uh, like the, the shootout round was in Mission BC. So that's where we're having again this year as well. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, how, when is your guys' shootout? That is July 9th, 8th, 9th to 10th for it this year. So, how's uh, do you have any idea how um, registration is doing? I know drifters like to. Uh, I think we're we're close to, yeah, like right now, I think we're close to just under 20 spots filled for it. Mm. Okay, so one license so far. Oh wait, do you guys have different rules since you guys are so far? Um, if I remember correctly, I think it's two licenses that are available. Mm-hmm. I can't. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know if that's just top 32 for it that uh, has two or not. So I can't. Remember. I know last year. Yeah, because last year we had three. So i like i did end up like yeah i managed to get my license last year for it oh, you did? but yeah okay yeah so sweet uh yeah I'm a little uh music because now i'm kind of crap uh now i am curious because i i can't remember the exact format but i from my understanding that it's one license per 16 registered drivers okay um, but I was curious as to if you guys maybe got a, a little bit different just be, just based on the fact that um, you guys don't have, uh, I mean, you guys are so far away, rather. You know what I mean? The likelihood, yeah. you know, the likelihood of two drivers coming down from Canada and applying for the next year is, you know, I don't know if it's slim to none, but it's I feel like it's less likely than possibly somebody here. That makes no, sense. yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think it, yeah, it's either one or two right now, I believe. Uh-huh. So I don't know if they just offered some of an exception for it, just because I think we're the only one in Canada right now as far as that's offering a prospect shootout for it. So, but that would make sense too. You know what I mean? Since you yeah, guys so. are the only one within, you know, your country is just as big as America is almost. I mean, size wise. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anyone from Ontario is making the trek over because with the price of fuel right now, it's pretty unreasonable. Yeah, so. it's it's pretty. What are you guys playing per liter over there? 
Uh, right now, it's about like a buck sixty-five per liter. So, and then about a buck seven, like a buck eighty for almost a buck eighty for diesel right now. So it's you're looking at like not, six to seven bucks a gallon. Yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's a pricey one right now. Yeah, but man, it's not fun for any of us. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, so yeah, I'm uh, definitely excited for this uh, the mission layout. So I think they're trying to change it up this year and run a different layout compared to last year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think that it, it caters more towards a spectator viewpoint because now we should be well, now we should be full blown open for allowing spectators to come in. So there's a bigger grandstand around where I think they want to run it. So should be good. And then they also have a live stream that they're running for it as well. Oh, sweet! Is that is that going to be a pay per view situation, or is it? Uh, no, just anyone can access it. It was a uh, like the previous year was it was pretty. The guys over there, like a local company in BC, mm-hmm. and like I would say it's pretty much on point with. Uh, I think they run around four like a four camera system on it, and and drone footage as well. So it was. Up on, like, it was pretty similar to almost, uh, like, an FD style for it, like, as far as... And the quality was really good, too. Oh, okay. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, because I was kind of curious. I didn't get a chance to watch the movie this year. I need time for it. I'm trying to focus on working a little bit more this year. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I doubt that. How's, uh... So, how was your season last year? Can we go over that a little bit? Yeah, so... yeah, last year was uh, it was a pretty good year, I would say. So we just had uh, pretty much we just had the shootout mm-hmm. as well. So then that was a mission. We had a lot of uh, like fun events and stuff around like local locally. So we didn't do any like the major like big demos that we had planned from the previous year. But yeah, overall like the demo. I mean, out at the shootout, we finished in second place there so that got my pro spec license and then after that we went to the next round which was out at Edmonton International Raceway and that one I managed to I got first place in that round Mm -hmm. and then that was pretty much the wrap-up for like as far as like competitions for the year oh so yeah um did you do you plan on doing pro spec at all um i'm not not really sure at this point because there's a lot of things that have to line up in order for it to work like if anything like you would the best way to do it probably would be is do a feeler for it like a feeler year and kind of just run around and use that as like maybe like a say your one main like event or like vacation you ran for like a year and just make the trip down kind of run an event and see what it's like but it's so hard to justify, especially with like the cost of fuel right now, all the expense. Like it's not just a six-hour drive for us to go down. It's yeah, like it's, a, it's like a thirty-hour-plus drive. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and that's one yeah. way. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I get thirty it. hours one way, and then, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, another thing would be is to just go down with like a hundred percent dialed setup, so that. You're not kind of going down there and wasting your money having something that's going to break. So you kind of want to 
test it up here, make sure it's like proven and works and you're comfortable with it before you go and make like like a 30 hour drive down and would hate to see it. You go in there and like you don't qualify or something like that. I mean, obviously it's a different caliper driving down there too. So, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Sean hangs with the big boys down here. Oh yeah. I don't see why any of you guys yeah. couldn't. Uh, and I think uh, what's I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he like dominated Pro Two, and I want to say what was it, like 2015, 2016. Um, like from here? Yeah, from Canada. Can't remember his name. Um. Yeah. I don't... In 2015, yeah. he dominated. Yeah, I'm not too sure. It might have been like... 2016 or 2017 even. I do remember that. It was the year Jeff Jones ran both Pro 2 and Pro. And yeah. Jeff Jones won one round, and then the other guy ran, won all three of them. Um, mm. Actually, let me go on Formula Drift right now and find out. I'm pretty sure they got it. Yeah. Uh, I think he, yeah, I don't know if he should have won yeah. the, the, um, the championship, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Now I'm curious. Yeah, I'm not too sure if it was someone local or. Yeah, that's why I was like, uh, maybe. I don't think it was. Definitely was in 2018 because Travis Reed won that year. Um, yeah, they had a uh, Travis Reed and Dylan Hughes back when they were running their S13s had this like, that was like the super dialed setup. Yeah, I, I do remember them killing it all year, and they were both on the podium like the whole year basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was... uh, Huh, I don't think they have it. Or at least it only goes back to 2018. So they don't really show you that. Yeah, like... I'm not too sure. Was it, like, someone... Was it Brody Goble? Because I think he's from... No, I don't think he... He ever... Did that well. Not to say that he's not a good driver. I don't think he... I don't remember him, like, dominating the series. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it was someone from uh, like Ontario. I don't know that. Um, was it Alex Lee? Uh, nope. Uh, nope. Oh, then I'm then I'm honestly I'm just thinking of the people that I know from like locally that were ran FD. So, I mean, I don't yeah, think I, it was Aaron. So. Nope, I don't remember a gentleman named Aaron. Uh, I don't think it might have been the first year that, uh, good old, uh, Jesus. It's giving me shit about trying to open a website. Damn you, Google. Um, I can't remember his name. It's going to bug me now. I'm surprised yeah, I'm not... it doesn't come up, like, even on their website for some reason. They're, I guess, uh... like, maybe Pro 2 is just not, like, as... They don't keep the records as much? I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? I'm sure FD yeah, has them somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, but, yeah. Yeah, I w- I'm, I'm curious as to who it was, yeah, because I can't really think of anyone oh, off the top of my head. it had been 2016, because Kevin Lawrence won 2017. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ethan Hunt? Nope, not Ethan Hunter. That does not sound. Mark Landerville, I want to say. Mark Landerville. Oh, yeah, so I think he's from Quebec, maybe? 
Quebec or on somewhere in like over on the East Coast is where. I'm. Okay, that okay, then that would make more sense. Because I also remember him running in 2017 at the last Montreal um, mm-hmm. event that they held. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I think I might have gone to. I, I'm pretty sure I was at that event. That was a that was a pretty wild track. Yeah, I do it. remember it. Uh, I think I remember when um, Christophe Blouch, uh, I think that was his last year in the E46, and he actually broke his um, his uh, transmission. Oh yeah, yeah, that was uh, at that round. Yeah, yeah, no, going there against was... Dean. Yeah, I think I remember uh, Matt Field. He was uh, like getting towed off the track, uh-huh. and he uh, they didn't secure it, and his car fell off the. That's the same round, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I do remember that. Like it just fell off the back and fell on the drive shaft, but I mean, yeah, still, it was, it was pretty funny to witness. So it's pretty fucked up, though. <laughs> yeah, like that wall was like it was going on entry. That wall was not even. Uh-huh. Like there was edges sticking out. So like if you wall rode that, like you pretty much would almost like you'd almost get sucked in from it because it wasn't like a hundred percent flush. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm actually trying to like go drive Irwindale this weekend, and uh, they're doing some like some fuel fest thing. Uh, I, if I can get an invoice paid in my car by the end time, I'll, I'll be able to get make it. Um, but it looks like they're kind of entering at the wall, yeah, but in, in such an awkward area where like you enter and you pretty much do a U turn on the big bank, and then you come yeah. into the smaller bank on the inside. Because the way okay. they have the layout, the the um, the event set up, because they have like so much shit going on there, like it's a concert, it's kind of like a club loose event almost. Oh yeah. Uh, from my understanding, yeah, I think it's like a concert. There's a whole bunch of type of driving, car show. Oh, so kind of like Grid Life in a sense. It's sorry, that's what I meant, Grid Life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, like its own version. I know Tanner Faust is supposed to be there driving. Um, oh wow. Um. And he's giving ride-alongs to whoever. And then uh, who else is supposed to do it? I think, obviously, like all the locals here in SoCal. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Hopefully I can. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, I've been to Irwindale a few times. And then uh, I remember going down for like that Drift League round. And it's it's a pretty cool track. You've been down here? Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't, I didn't drive down it, but it was... Uh, the run it was the round that uh, Sean competed in it. I can't I can't remember when that was off the top of my head. That was a few years back here. Was it 20, 2019 or twenty twenty? Uh it would have been twenty nineteen. I'm surprised we sure. didn't meet because I was at all the rounds in twenty nineteen. Yeah, it, honestly, I'm I'm surprised too. Like it, I probably would have, but yeah, no, that was yeah that was back in. Uh, let's just see here. I'm just looking back. So, yeah, it looks like that probably would have been, yeah, 2019 for it. Oh, okay. So, I don't know. There might, there was like, I think there was a point I was pretty much laying under his car for like a, a decent amount of time. Cause, so you might have stopped by during that time. So, yeah, I remember there were some tranny issues they were having at that time. But It'd be like that, man. Yeah. Good old RX-7s and their trannies. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't he upgrade recently? 
or since then, hopefully. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, he's got a four speed dog box in it now, so I think there that's taking care of all of his problems. Yeah, it's the way to go, apparently. It is. I mean, they are uh, they are a little bit pricey though. Oh shit! Like, I feel like I feel like most dog boxes in the states are kind of like if you're looking for a used one, uh-huh. they're kind of uh, a little bit more affordable because like what's a what's a dog box go for around there? Uh, I think it's like second hand. Like I don't know. Let's check Racing Junk. Um, we have this awesome race website called Racing Junk, and I spelled it wrong. Uh, yeah, I've I've browsed on there. We have because well. No one here has anything like that, so. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised because uh, there's a typo in racing. Yeah, I already fixed it. Jesus. My computer didn't hate me more than it already does. Um, we're we looking at transmissions. I know that. Um, there's a Jericho, three speed, dog box for like five grand. Uh, I would imagine that they all Jeez. went up, but I've seen them. I've seen them go, you know. I've seen them vary for sure. Um, other street cars as well. Uh, and go manual transmissions. Uh, there's not. Oh, right here, G Force G four four A transmission new. Uh, five grand. Um, oh, this one's kind of worth some money. I almost want it for fourteen hundred. A uh, Richmond five speed. Um, that's for another project. The Tex one hundred one racing. The one I actually want. Damn, this one's only twenty five hundred bucks. That's not bad at all. Like... I know, and that's like a direct Bolton, and it comes with a hydraulic throttle bearing and a fucking bell housing you can't beat that right so damn i mean trying to find uh most of the dog boxes up here just like i've never heard of rankin before yeah i think those were all like mainly circle track yeah there's a rankin four speed for 2200 um there's a muncie m20 for 1400 that's what i have now and a t56 for two grand it's not bad yeah i guess yeah you can always get a T56 and just get it face plated and kind of, I think you can get even switched to a kind of like a dog box. Setup. I think Harris used to run something like that. I know my uh, friend of mine, uh, he's been on the show, um, Eddie Zapata. He's got a Mustang with a, uh, is it a modular engine? Whatever the 4.6 is. Uh, yeah. But he was mentioning something like that too. He's like, I'm just plan on running the, uh, the uh the dog box conversion for it so it's basically like dog rings and stuff like that yeah i think that the well it's not cheap or, too yeah so it's kind of i guess you pretty much have to do a price shop on it i guess because yeah sometimes you have to obviously you have to build a new mount to fit the dog box and sometimes you need a different bell housing and such so i mean yeah, if you weigh it out that the price difference between the two maybe it's better to stick with the t56 for it yeah well i guess in his situation but like i, I remember i was listening to maximum driftcast and then uh i haven't listened to that show so is his name cory yeah i think it is cory um 
Damn, that's how long it's been since they made a goddamn episode. Uh, yeah, he had mentioned, he's like, yeah, you can do that. He's like, but you have to bring a whole extra transmission. He's like, but if you bring, you know, your trans and you can possibly find a part. If you break like one thing. I remember him making yeah. it. Ooh, yeah, because uh, yeah, I guess they're a little more one off for it compared to where you could just swap out dog rings and gears. Yeah, um, exactly. Like who's going to have a whole, you know, extra T-56 <laughs> dog? Yeah. yeah um, what is it? The plating conversion for you? you know what I mean? Yeah, face plating and such, I think. Yeah, I haven't looked that much into it, so I'm not as familiar with it, but I've only vaguely heard of it. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Probably, yeah, it's a lot cheaper to get it done in the States versus here, like most things. I mean, you guys pretty much run at like a 30%. Like, if you were to get anything from up here, you pretty much get a 30% discount with how the dollar is. So. Uh, yes and no. Like, we're still, you know, look at FDF. Like, he's he's still competitive with his his um, his competitors. Like, they're yeah. still at the same. I think he even might, actually, he might even be cheaper just because the way it's kind of worked out for him. Um, I don't know if he's raised his prices yet, but, you know, eventually yeah, he's going to. I'm not too sure, but yeah, I guess, yeah, being able to have everything made in Canada might make things a little bit cheaper. I'm not, yeah, I know I did like prior, like a, a way back, I did like originally when he first started, I did run his like front control arms and stuff. So his stuff has like, like definitely evolved and like improved so much over the years. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah. And then, but you know, like any company that every book company is going yeah. to evolve and make their parts better yeah for and sure i've actually worked with him directly uh, quite often he's actually uh really good to work really really great to work with um not like on a sponsorship or anything like more on like the side stuff i do for work uh, yeah he's a really good person to work with he takes care of you that's I'm good say that. that's a, yeah that doesn't surprise me like anytime i've ever like had some conversation with him and stuff like over Instagram or something like that. Yeah. He's pretty like always willing to help out and stuff and always willing to answer some questions and offer some insight and such. So it's really nice. I mean, that's, that's most of the people in the drift community are kind of like that. I mean, you get the odd person who probably isn't, yeah. but that's pretty much the face of drifting is people are always more than willing to help out. Right. Yeah, definitely. Which is always a benefit. Um, how is your guys' season looking for this year? So, this year, they're not running a series yet as far as, like, a multi-round series. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's a toss-up between a lot of people that, like, as far as if you would rather compete in, like, a four-round series or run just the shootout. Because, I mean, I know how there's a lot of people who do enjoy... Just like running the shootout one run one round and done. Where personally I do like the the competition aspects of like a multi rounds, like multiple rounds. Whereas like you pretty much have to fight for it, right? Compared to like a one and done where sometimes on uh like the pros on the shootout rounds you can kind of if your car's running like a hundred percent and like someone else like breaks, you do have like a little bit of the upper hand because it's like if you get knocked out, that's it. It's game over, right? Yeah. 
Well, you get the... Well, it depends if you're doing, like, a double elimination. But I've also been to shootouts where... And competed in one, personally, where it's um, it's basically a fucking top 16 round. Like, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. No. Like, as far as, like, top 16 for, like, a shootout or a multi-series round? No, for a shootout. Yeah. So I saw... Yeah, it. I guess... Go ahead. Yeah, I get that. I feel that with the... Uh, like the top 16 kind of makes it almost in a sense, I guess, kind of a little bit. It makes it easier for someone to obtain their prospect license, I guess you could say. To to an extent. Whereas, like, you have 16 drivers, you're like a 1 in 16 chance, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's where it's well, like... Well, that's after qualifying because they still made you qualify and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, so are you having, like, more than... 16 drivers yeah so like for instance i think it was like 20 drivers that showed up Mm -hmm. actually i think closer to 30 um so like almost 30 drivers show up 16 qualify and then you still have to get through all that um but i just thought it was odd because that's when i first got into drifting in like 2015 that was a pro-am round Mm -hmm. which is you would see like you know 40 cars show up to round one maybe even upwards of like 60 um, depending depending on the, where it was located and then the following year it just fell the fuck off yeah i'm not not really surprised with that i mean that's the thing is like kind of like trying to build like i mean a lot of people always show up to round one for it i mean sometimes like people won't because they're not ready but like their car's not finished but yeah, usually not, round one will always be like the highest turnout. It's usually how it works. And then it kind of sometimes dwindles down, whereas whether or not someone crashed in that round and they couldn't make it to the next round. But, yeah, I think, like, realistically, you need to have at least 20 drivers that are committed to running a full season. Otherwise, like, from uh, like someone who's running that series, it's not – worth it because like what's if you have less than 16 drivers that show up to every round what's the point right yeah exactly i mean in a perfect world i guess everyone would go for a top 32 but like that's that's a lot of drivers to have right yeah exactly uh, yeah yeah because i know a trailer a lot of cars a lot of people yeah yeah you need a lot of track space in the pits for that right i mean yeah, yeah exactly. I, yeah, I know this year, so, like, for Mission, they are running a double elimination as well. Mm-hmm. So, so, I like that. It's a nice format to run. How have how, how have you guys been, like, keeping an eye on Clutch Kickers at all to see if you guys would be interested in doing something like that? Yeah, I've, uh, I've been looking at it and stuff. Like, it's definitely intriguing due to, uh, I think, the, the potential, like, there's a high, like, it's a really high caliber of driving there as well. I'd almost, it's almost like a prospect without rules, in a uh-huh. sense. That's kind of how I was kind of, if we were looking at it. I mean, it'd be kind of, it'd be cool to go down and run that. Like, I mean, obviously you would have to logistically figure out, like, storage space down there. But it's all in one area, right? Yeah. So it kind of doesn't make it that challenging like if you were to 
attempt to run like that series because it's just finding storage space and then flying in and flying out for race weekends, right? Yeah. So, and then with it having like the potential for like if you were to win around, like the higher the prize, like a, a decent prize pot, it's it makes it pretty like intriguing and kind of wanting to go down and run it, but. Like I said, like a lot of things would have to line up for that to ever work, right? Yeah. Have, have you ever considered running it? Uh, I want to. Um, yeah. This year I've been going places with my girlfriend and doing the travel thing and uh, working a lot. So I work on cars now on the side. Um, not drift cars, though, because those don't make you any money. If you find old men with old cars, you can make some money. Um, so, yeah, I've been kind of, like, running around with her. We went to, like, New Orleans. We got a few concerts coming up this year. Shit that I don't normally do. Um, I think we're going to Hawaii again in October. So that's pretty much the focus this year. And then I told her that that's, that's it for a while. Because I do want to focus on driving. And I really, really want to do clutch pickers next year. Um, but I just don't know if I would necessarily be ready for it. Yeah. I think it's it's almost like equivalent to uh, like pros back in a sense for it. I mean, they have a they have a lot of... Well, I mean, I haven't really seen like all the builds throughout it. But I think it's anywhere from like pro-am to full-blown pros back build. I would say is the average. Yeah. It seems yeah, like it's, um, it's pretty gnarly. And then I'm on a, I'm on a ticking time bomb of a diff, having the stock diff and the CTS. So yeah. that's got to change soon too. And then, you know, just the axles alone are like two grand. And then I guess it's, yeah. Yeah. Getting Only time, time to put in a quick change. Uh, no, I would probably do a Ford 8.8. I don't, I mean, the quick chain is just great, don't get me wrong, but I just, I don't think I'll need it or I'll need to spend that type of money. Um, I don't know if I necessarily want to do uh, FD anymore just because of the way it's it's turned into something else. It's, I just feel like it's maybe not necessarily what I want to do anymore. But clutch kicker yeah. seems to be what FD used to be, which is kind of like you can be someone who's like Taylor Ray who just shows up in you know, a simple LS swap Miata and is out there battling it out, um, you know, with a pro one driver and FD. Yeah. So that's, it seems yeah. so good. It's yeah. It just goes to show like a lot of it, it comes down to pretty much like how your driver skill for yeah. it. And I mean, the card is like, it's great. Like, I mean, you need a card to work. But, like, you also don't need that 700 wheel. Like, you can be competitive with the 450 wheel and stuff. Like, like Taylor Ray's that perfect example of that, right? Mm -hmm. So, he, he pretty much just showed how... Because I think at the time, what was he? He was probably around 450, eh? Probably. Yeah, so, like, and he was out there, like, going against people who were, like, 700 wheel exactly. and stuff. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. And it's pretty cool to see that. So... I think... I think there needs to be, I know a lot of people disagree, or hang on, let me, let me circle back. I think it's, it might be controversial to say it, but I don't think 
that the five grand you get paid to win an event in FD, um, I feel like it's almost a slap in the face to anybody who's competing. Like for the guys who are, you know, doing this out of their own pocket, it's like you don't even get to make the money you spent to get here back. That's not even a possibility. Um, with the the way it is currently, I'm not saying that it's going to be like that forever. I think eventually they will do it, but I just don't think it's the right time. And a lot of people will argue and say like, oh, well, you're supposed to get that from sponsorship or this or that. And that's great and all. But I think for the there are people who do not want to do the sponsorship thing. And I think that needs to uh, kind of at least be acknowledged with some sort of uh, better payout. Because to win five grand, to win in a series with millions of I think it's like millions of people who are watching FD now to win five grand as your purse. I feel like that's like a, that's like your boss offering you a 10 cent raise. <laughs> like that's how I, that's, yeah, that's what I, I see, compare I see it where to. you're coming from. Yeah, um, yeah. With so much work that these guys put into, you see like people put their all into this and then to get five grand. I just, that's, that's how I look at it. Um, I mean, I'm not going to change the way I feel about that, but I just think, Something needs to be done eventually, and I think it will happen, but hopefully sooner than later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, it would be nice to see the prize first, like, increase for it. Like, yeah. I honestly, I didn't know, I didn't even know that it was five grand. I, uh, because I just saw, like, FD posted, and it was kind of everyone, all the prospect drivers, and it was, I think, uh, Hately got a $500. That was the prize. No, no, no. Those are those are incentives. Those are like, um, and from my understanding, I think uh, camera is it FTC Euro who's doing it. They're doing like a thousand dollars around to the highest winning European car competitor. So you don't even have to place first. So if you know there's S chassis on the podium and you're fourth place in your BMW, like you just got a grand. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. That's that's pretty cool. And then even at the end of the season, it's still the highest the highest winning um, European driver, European vehicle manufacturer driver will receive, I think it was like five or 10 grand. I don't remember the exact number, but I'm, that's cool. And I think that's where it can go towards, but if, but maybe this is, but I think to step back a little bit, this is the step in the right direction to get to, to get these guys at least, you know, for sure. Right? Yeah. Compensate for like their time. Yeah, because like right now it's almost like I mean maybe it's not in the finan they're not in the financial position to offer like no that makes that sense top too, dollar for like the for all of the drivers but at the end of it it's kind of like for now it's kind of the idea that we have this platform that gives you so much exposure for yourself and like your sponsors that's kind of what they're offering like right now like like you said we can only hope that as time goes on that the prize for first like increases for yeah, it for and sure. it is a little bit more beneficial towards the drivers. But I mean, I think we're going in the, the right direction for it, but I guess only time will tell. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like even right now, um, the drift league decided to cancel their second shootout that they had planned for the year. Cause they did one. Did they already do it? I think it was in March or April. Can't remember the exact date. Um, but they ended up doing uh, they're doing another one. Oh, it was April 10th. 
they're doing another event, but it's called the Drift League Cash Out. And basically, the way they set it up is um, it's five fifty to enter to get in it, but two fifty of that is going towards um, a pot. So, dependent on registration, uh, the pot could be, you know, the pot could be ten grand or the pot can be twenty grand. I guess it kind of depends on the way it'll work the way or how many drivers actually um mm -hmm. register for the event and then you get like yeah winner gets like 50 percent of the pot second place gets like 20 percent. i don't know the exact numbers but some of that effect that's uh that's pretty good yeah speaking of which uh, i just realized i forgot was that so we have another event that's at the end of this it's kind of in like it's in august for it but it's up in uh, Fort McMurray, Alberta. I don't know if you've heard of that place, but they're actually doing like a 10K prize like event for it. So 10K pot for it. So I'm not too sure how it gets broken down as far as like first place, second, third. But yeah, it's like a 10K event and it's they've like they're, they've never had an event up there. So it's just like a group of individuals got together, got a lot of sponsor support and like local support and yeah, I think entry fee into that is about $210 Canadian. Oh, wow. That's dirt cheap. Yeah, so it's, it's it's super affordable and stuff. So, yeah, I'm excited to run it. It's a pretty fun layout. It's, like, outside of, like, a coliseum mm -hmm. there. So, I mean, I've never ran up in Fort McMurray before. So, and, well, it's not really, like, an actual, like, track. But it's kind of – it should be a pretty fun layout So, it'll be run, fresh so. and new for everybody. So, it's almost an even playing yeah. field. Yeah, it should be a pretty even playing field, I would say, for sure. Like, so. Hopefully the but guys yeah, who are designing the layout don't get to practice on it and compete. <laughs> yeah, so the, the layout, I've yeah, they've already released the layout, and it's a pretty cool layout. It's almost similar to uh, like the mission layout of last year that we ran uh -huh. for it. So it's like it's not like it's just a small track. It's got a couple of like, big turns in it and like kind of a full U-turn. So it's it's technical for sure, so... I think it'll be a pretty fun event and it's good to see more of those kind of events like popping up everywhere. So I think this is, the, well, this will be the first one in probably Alberta that's popped up for like a big prize spot for a drift event. Mm -hmm. So. Then not too bad. That'd be pretty cool. I like to see the, a lot more places um, going through and kind of, up in the ante, I guess, so to speak. I think that is going to end up giving FD that kind of kick in the ass they need for the uh, potentially getting more sponsorship to get the uh, the purse increased. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I understand they have bills too, so I you know I get that it's for not sure. in their current budget, but you know hopefully it it'll. Uh, help them focus on it but everyone wants to yeah. go to fd because it's fd i don't think i mean they still do have that that wow factor of fd like it's not yeah, just the purse the purse prize but there is that i'm an fd driver kind of uh, yeah. thing you get to say i guess for sure like except i mean like the that's pro, the... except for all the pro-am guys who put formula drift pro-am driver in their in their uh Instagram bios. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, it's, uh, yeah, I think for anyone, like, locally for us, like, if anyone here, like, gets a license, it's pretty, like, 
it's challenging if you want to ever go down, right? It's not, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not some easy setup to have, and like, it's also like really challenging, like for people up here to like get like, I guess like you can get a lot of like local support as far as like supporting your program, like sponsors, but trying to get like U.S. based companies, it's kind of they they see oh you're from like Canada for it, and then pretty much they'll see like. like Kind of what you have to offer, but then they see the limited time frame that they're working with as far as like how long our season is mm-hmm. compared to like you guys in the states are pretty much what like an eight to ten month season, whereas we're pretty much at like that four month window. So it's from like a sponsor side like viewpoint, it's not as beneficial to go for someone located in our like geographic. So uh, I get that to a certain extent because you guys are inside most of the year. <laughs> yeah and it's usually just snowing all the time right and it's always cold so yeah can't really drift in that no i get it i get yeah i get what you're saying that it makes sense but um you know there's i've seen other people make you know come up with creative content for stuff like that i mean as much as i hate the social media content creator um just the whole realm of it rather really yeah. uh but i do get that um that is what is today's market is so if you can make it work with you know creative content like even if it's just ice drifting or something um that'll work too but obviously that costs money to to go ice drifting as well like yeah. i don't know if you want to do that in a 400 horsepower car yeah i mean well that's uh it's definitely a lot more affordable than well it's a lot more budget friendly than just drifting in the dry like i think the was it like my last uh last event that we had was out at like stratotech it was like a local track that we had to open up mm-hmm. and that was like an eight tires event so like it's you just go through them so fast and stuff like it's it's a d- decent like it's a pretty big layout for it so whereas like ice racing i'm pretty sure you could probably get like all you have to do is get a bald set of tires and then nut and bolt them and kind of stud them properly and you're pretty much i think that the guys were getting here when they were ice racing was probably about like three events on a set maybe two to three mm-hmm. which is pretty reasonable because as far as cost wise and then um do you get your season's really only four months out there yeah, because our we just started at yeah the beginning of May. Okay. We just so it just started and then oh actually yeah sorry May June July oh, September so I guess it's more around the five month mark give or take so we pretty much end September like gotcha. in the beginning of September. So, okay. Yeah, like the last event is pretty much the first first week of September, so. Okay, noted. So yeah, so pretty much it's roughly yeah, a little over four months. So, yeah. Okay, so it's a little, it's a bit more difficult for you guys to uh, to party longer. Uh, yeah, we live in SoCal, man. So we get to drive all fucking year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it seems like it. I swear, there's like some guys I see that just never stop driving, and I'm just always trying to figure out how those guys afford it. Like I just uh... don't. I would assume they're either in a massive amount of debt or they live with their parents 
possibly both. Um, you know, and if not, they just got it like that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, everyone's pockets are are a little bit different. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I see that. That's for sure. I mean, like, there's there's definitely a lot of guys out there that I mean, there's a lot of guys that are working hard and making it happen. Yep, and just really stuff. But I mean, we're all doing it for the same reason. I guess and we're all having fun doing it. I mean, why else would we be doing it, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I want it's more of like it's today's hot rodding. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's yeah. It, that's what it is. Like in the '60s, or sorry, like in the '70s or whatever '60s and '70s, you were, you know, making your car faster and driving like a dickhead everywhere. But now there's a lot more cars on the road, and the EP, the EPA is heavily involved. So you can't do shit to your streetcar no more. And we've been yeah. forced to go to the track. No, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, that's a good place to practice it. I mean, it right. prevents anyone else from, like, like when people are doing, like, the streetcar takeovers and stuff. It's oh, kind of dumb. Yeah, they're, they're Man, It's just, like, you see, like, so many people, like, kind of, like, people. I'm pretty sure there's people that are dying at those meets, right? So, or, like, get, at least getting seriously injured. So it's, Oh, for sure. It doesn't that's... really make sense. Yeah, it's it's crazy to see that. There's people like hanging out windows, fall out of the car, and then the other car will run them over. It's insane. Know, but like he went too soon. I'm like, you probably shouldn't have went at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, I think there was like recently someone had passed away or gotten a car wreck. Someone like from that scene, and uh, my dumbass was we had mentioned something about it. And then they were like, they got uh, rear-ended by a drunk driver, asshole. They weren't even at a at a sideshow. I was like, oh, my bad. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <that's, laughs> that is not I'll, good. I'll get clarification next time. Just one of those friendly reminders to, uh, I guess, yeah. get all yeah, the no. facts. <laughs> yeah, that probably wouldn't be the wouldn't be that bad of an idea. Yeah, right. right? Um, do. Do you plan on doing anything and making any changes to the car? I know you mentioned, you know, why change what works, but is there anything that you want to do to change that you would like to change possibly? Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, this past off season, it was more of a focus on like maintenance for it and kind of just doing some upkeep stuff. And just cause going into the off season was like last year, ending the season was pretty much, okay, everything's working. And it's like, I know it's a it's it's a hard thing from like a driver standpoint to say oh I'm not going to change a single thing on the car over winter uh-huh. because we all don't we all lack that self control right we always want to change something whether or not it's upgrading something or going for a little bit more power so this year I was kind of lucky enough that I was able to control myself and not actually do anything like that like I mainly just focused on just getting some more spare parts where it was like tie rods like some control arm stuff and I went to a different spring rate in the front and the rest is all just mainly maintenance and just getting some spare parts. I, did, I kept the color the same, the livery the same and yeah, I was just trying to save a little more money and stuff so you can kind of focus on driving a bit more next year, this year. But um, What uh, what shit, lost my train of thought. Damn it. 
He had just said something and then I blinked and I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, the maintenance. Maintenance stuff? Yeah. Repeat yeah, that what... one more time, sorry. What, and what about that? What did you What did you do to maintain the car? So pretty much it's like just going through kind of just every component on the car. So it's just like checking brakes, calipers, gotcha. kind of just like li- lines and stuff. And like just like the general like like how the engine's performing and stuff. Just checking for like wear and tear on that. I didn't like fully tear it apart by any means. But because mm-hmm. we, we did a rebuild on the engine the year prior for it. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so it was just kind of going through everything like that and kind of just like the day of the transmission stuff, just making sure everything was kind of on point. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of this stuff has kind of just been there for a few years and it's not that I don't like neglect the maintenance to it, but it was just kind of, that was the more of the focus this off season and kind of just collecting some spare parts so that in case you had like a break at the track, you're kind of prepped for it and you had spare parts on hand and like you could actually fix it at the track if you needed to. Right. Yeah. That was the focus, but did you end up replacing anything? Do you or do you have like a spares like for plumbing and shit like that if a line were to burst? Um, I don't have a full like spares for plumbing on that, but yeah, I think the only thing I ended up doing was yeah, I got some I got like spare Heims and stuff for the because I run Part Shop Max in the front and rear of oh, the car, okay. so I ended up figuring out like swapping out some of that stuff as well, like. I found out, like, going through it and, like, tearing apart the control arms, I found, like, a bent heim that kind of just explained why I was having some excessive caster in my alignment for it. Like, it was just kind of behind a locked collar. Like, you couldn't see it by eye, but, like, you only had so much adjustment, and then when you pulled it out, it was probably, like, a good, like, it was probably about maybe 5 mil as far as how much it was bent out, which, in the grand scheme, does play. a lot, yeah. Yeah, that does play a decent, has a little bit of an impact on your alignment settings. So, I mean, nothing that was, like, not drivable, because I, I was dealing with that at the end of last season. So, it wasn't anything that you could just not drive on, but it was nice to get that fixed and kind of do that, get some, get that resorted out. And then, yeah, I just did some uh, alignment changes and stuff, tried to take out a little bit of toe in the rear and kind of just allow it to be a little bit more drivable with it and not as twitchy while on throttle. So played around with that a bit. And so far the car is feeling pretty good out there with the changes and stuff. So I ended up going to like a, going to a stiffer spring rate up front. So that's the question helps, I was going to uh, ask you. I remember. Now. Sorry. I was going to ask you what spring rate you went, if you went stiffer or softer. Yeah. So I went to, I had a 10 K in there before I went to the 12 K. Uh-huh. And just being as like that was probably the mo the, the major change to suspension this year was it was kind of a, it was a pretty noticeable difference as soon as I uh, like the first outing in the car you could just feel the the car was like a lot more responsive uh-huh. and just like just of how much like you could just put the car kind of where you wanted it and it was just like the steering feel was a little bit better for it all in all it was like. It was a, it was a minor upgrade, but it was enough that it had a bigger impact on it. So it was a nice change, I'd say. Yeah, that's that's actually on my list of things to do to my car, actually. Uh, yeah, which I am supposed to do before this weekend. 
There you uh, go. Yeah. Did you did you get any? Did you feel more grip out of the car, um, or did you, you said you you had mentioned that you made some changes to the rear as well? Um, yeah. So, but hang, uh, hang on. My question is more dedicated to after the spring rate change. Did you have to readdress the rear, or did you just happen to do both at the same time? I did happen to do both at the same time for that. So like I run pretty much this 12K in the front, 8K in the rear for it. And I actually, there was a time that I did run the 6K and I was like too much grip for it in a sense. And being that I'm in a, like the 8K right now, I haven't like maxed out where I need to go to a lower spring rate for it. So it's not like you're as soft as you can be on the dampening. You're running 10 PSI tire pressure. So there's a lot more room on the table as far as trying to get more grip into the car. But so like you said, is uh, we're saying about switching the spring rate. So when I switched the spring rate, I did take out a little bit of toe in, in the rear. So all at the same time. So I felt like when I first went out that there was a little bit more grip than before prior. So it's even though I took out toe, so which toe is pretty much just, affects mainly forward bite for it so gotcha but yeah with with the stiffer spring rate it's nice because you have all that extra a little bit more weight shift to the rear for it so which in theory it will give you more grip does your car toe in or toe out under load in the rear toe in okay so you have you have uh the good stuff yeah so i mean yeah i've seen uh like yeah there's a lot of subs that well with the the part shop max with like the limit brake that has the dynamic toe control you can pretty much set it up so that like it can either toe in or toe out under compression Mm -hmm. for it right now so i pretty much have it set up pretty mild where it doesn't actually pick up any toe gang on it so because toe is uh it definitely toe is a pretty big thing that impacts like how the car handles as far as like I try to use that as like a last resort for dialing and grip for it just as how like it's pretty like as soon as like you're off throttle you'll feel the car kind of like change and want to like unload and want to straighten out usually when you have like a a decent amount of toe in okay yeah I, I run like a major amount of toe in to keep it because it toes out so much under load. Yeah, so it probably it probably balances out, eh? Yeah, I mean, actually thinking about going back to like a six k spring in the rear, since I'm going to be upping the front springs too, just to oh, kind of, yeah. I guess, balance it a little bit. Because I'm having a problem right now where like, um, I can't raise my car because if I raise the front, I lose my camber adjustment because I'm still on stock control arms. Um, you, you know, running a an obscure vehicle does not that has no drift support doesn't help. Um, so I can't raise the vehicle because if I raise the vehicle, I lose the front camber that I have, which I'm, I think I'm only at like negative three degrees right now in the front, and maybe three and a half, which ideally would I'm you know roughly around you know between four and five, um, and then so. If, if I raise it, I lose it. And right now, basically what's happening is the car, for so long, I thought that I was only rubbing on the inside of the fender wheel on the lead wheel. 
Um, so if I was turning left, that it would turn all the way left, hit the frame, and then it would spin me out. Right? Well, and I found out that's not the issue because I looked up. And if you look up inside my wheel well, you can clearly see a whole bunch of tire marks that are far worse than the frame rail. And I'm like, oh, that's where I'm hitting and that's where I'm spinning out. Uh, which, you know, you, I guess you learn as you go. Because, you know, if you're not look, if you don't, what's the word? Uh, if you don't know what's wrong, you don't know what to look for. Oh, yeah. So that's where I ended up. So now it's like, let's up to spring rate to combat the fact that I can't uh, raise the car right now. And then yeah. uh, let's hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, you don't know till you try, right? Yeah, so, I exactly. Mean, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. I mean, hopefully you just have a, do you just have a spare set of springs and that's why you're swapping it in? Or do you have to buy another set? No, I planned ahead. I I think I bought the springs like a year ago and I still haven't put them on. No, I, yeah, uh, roughly a year ago. I guess the last time I drove it was in June of last year. Um, this car and it's just been sitting like this. The cars, nothing's wrong with it. The only thing, like, about two months ago, I pulled the headers and exhaust off and I sold it because um, I wanted to do a turbo setup. Uh, just yeah. to do it. There's no reason I'd not. I don't need more power to be a better drifter. I'm using air quotes right now. Um, I just it was something I wanted to do. It is my hot riding. I do want to reiterate that um but it was just something that i wanted to do in the meantime since i didn't plan on driving it and uh so my headers will be here shortly i think they're supposed to be here thursday i'll throw them on and make a hood exit exhaust for the time being until i actually buy a turbo um but it just sat the whole time so now it's like let me start working on it a little bit but it i can start it up as soon as I put the headers back on. But it'll run and drive, no problem. I didn't take any parts off of it other than the uh, knuckles, which are on. Well, that's good. It makes, makes it easy, right? Yeah. That'll make it easy. Yeah, so. The only thing I took off with the knuckles, and I put on a little base model that I built to go drifting in, which I've taken out twice, and both times I've had issues. But silly issues that I just need to address. And then I'll be good to go. But when they yeah. said Irwindale... And I was like, oh, I'll take the black car. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be a pretty good event. Should be. Uh, we'll see. They're like, if you want a tandem, you got to have your cage and your fire suit. And I was like, well, I did get a new one. I don't have my uh, my used IndyCar suit anymore. Yeah, no, that's... I mean... I'm not surprised that they have that kind of requirement. We're pretty much getting close to that, where you require like at least a cage to tandem. Uh, I think it's because of the venue that they're holding it at. Um, at most other tracks, you can, you have to. You're hang on. You're supposed to have a cage to tandem. I mean, obviously, they let people slide when they, you know, don't even look and see if you have one. Yeah, or tell you that's... don't follow this person while you guys are uh, staging. Yeah, just toss the Hodges on. That yeah. Was the good old, uh, yeah, don't tandem with me. I am new. Put on my Hodges. That way no one's going to tandem with me. Oh, is that what you guys do up there? 
Uh, yeah, that's uh, sometimes I, like I remember when I was at like one of the BC tracks that we went at. It was like if you don't want to, anyone to tandem with you, toss your hazards on, and then that way, if someone can easily pass you, and or at least if they're gonna go drift with you, they they have to leave a massive like a big gap, and that you're kind of it's a clear indication of that you don't really want to you're new or you just don't want to tandem with anyone, right? Yeah, ours is uh they make you put an X on the back of your window with tape. I guess well hopefully people can clearly see it. Oh no, they do. They just I I don't know what it is about people who don't fucking listen in a driver's meeting, but they don't do it and it happens all the time. Yeah. So no. Everyone uh there's always there's always some people that don't listen, I guess. I mean My favorite yeah. My favorite part is when that person with an X gets nervous because someone's behind them and then they do something to fuck up and the person behind them isn't skilled enough to get out of that situation and then smashes right into them. Oh, no. It happens that's more the... often than you think, and I love it. That That's the worst. I mean, I think that they almost need to have uh, sessions, like group sessions, because usually we'll have... Uh, We'll have stuff like that, like at bigger events that have uh-huh. a higher driver count, like a fun event. We'll have uh, run groups for it to eliminate that kind of issue. So that way, like you have it based on skill level. So you'll have like pro-am guys that are in their group, and then you'll have like the level before that's like a Thursday night group, and then you'll have people that have never really drifted on a track before. Yeah, that's good too. That's actually good to have. I think the first event I ever went to, which was... Um... A drift access event. That's what they did. They had um, that same scenario where it was run groups only, and uh, it was group A, B, and C. It was new, uh, intermediate, and then uh, skilled or whatever they classified class group C as. I can't remember exactly. It makes the most sense to do it that way. I mean, it does. Makes, I think that's yeah, the that, last one I've seen too. But yeah, I've definitely seen. It's nice to see like then the drivers are kind of like evolving for that when they jump to the next group and how like they're able to go tandem with like people that are maybe like a little bit like of a higher skill level or kind of like in that next level of skill wise and they're able to keep up no problem because like I guess like if you're going against a driver who's putting on like a really good like lead run, it gives you like the reassurance that you can push hard right and. That's usually when you'll see your skills develop so like a lot is that when you're constantly pushing, you find that limit or like you're able to like just like honing your skills, I guess, for that. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's what I found. It's always nice when you go up against drivers who are pushing really hard that way, like, you know, you can like drive hard and then like that's just how like you kind of progress, I would say. That's. That's sure. I remember I had I had a shit. I can't remember his name right now. He's a very Reese. Reese. He was in Philly. I know that much. I can't remember his last name at the moment. But I had him on, and he runs, um, kind of like a grassroots series out there where they kind of focus more of a school rather, I guess, where he focuses on teaching people like all the proper techniques and stuff like that, and then being placed in the proper run group. Mm-hmm. So they'll have like a whole day of whatever they're doing um, of drifting with different run groups. And then he's able to kind of like tune that 
like each class. I guess you have like a group A class, group B class, like who are obviously going to receive different information for the most part, uh, depending on their skill level, of course. No, I, that's that's pretty. That's a really good thing to have. I would say. I mean, there's so many like even like here itself. It's like you almost wish that like when you first started out drifting that someone with a bit more experience like came for a ride along and was like, hey, just here's some suggestions of things that you should try and kind of at least this will be like a pointing in the right direction. Whereas like you kind of just figure out things as you go. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's nice to have like that guidance from someone else that has a bit more experience I find, and that can give pointers or they can easily distinguish like where you're making a mistake and just give you some sort of advice on how you can maybe improve that. It's always nice. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's nice to get like, constructive criticism for it i would say mm-hmm. it's always nice i mean because none of, none of us are perfect i mean we're all we're all learning still like and you never really stop right exactly never stop uh anybody who thinks that they know it all is kind of just hurting themselves more than anybody else <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> i mean it's just, yeah, the, like, that's just, like, our series is, like, always, it seems to be, like, the caliper of driving is always getting better every year. For and sure. And it's just people that are just getting, you're just getting more seat time, and then just, it just slowly evolves, right? Exactly. Like, you, you've even seen, like, um, Prime has developed, like, so much to where you're seeing, like, people do follow runs who are on, who are literally on someone's door, you know, the whole layout. Where before, yeah. they used to just surge forward. Um, you know, the same way FD does, but you know, I think every, I think everyone in pro am to a certain extent does try to mimic FD, um, yeah. in one way or another, whether that be a high horsepower car or just a really, really technical driver, like just being mm-hmm. the best of the best out there. Um, yeah. and that's like putting it on someone's door and staying on their door throughout the entire layout. Yeah. As opposed to yeah. just creeping up, backing off, creeping up, backing off. Yeah, it can, it's, de- it's it's pretty challenging, like, because every driver is so different, like, that's the big thing, like, coming into, like, the mission, we'll have, we'll have drivers pretty much from everywhere coming up, right? So there's going to be guys that are going to be crossing over to the border, because it's pretty close to the U.S., so you'll get a lot of guys from Evergreen come up and make the drive for it, so, and then you have all the locals from BC, they're going to compete, so it's not the same drivers that you drive with here. So it's a little bit different. So maybe you lack the trust for it when you're going up against someone. But I kind of like the competition side of things just because there's a defined layout that you have to run. So it's, you can expect that a driver's going to be in this place at this point. And like, that's the criteria that's needed to be met by like, in order to appease the judges for it. That way, it's kind of like you can kind of just predict where the driver's going to be, or at least they should be based on the guidelines that the judges have given. And that's where it kind of it's a little funky because you get judges who like one thing, but the other judge that their their co judge rather will not like it, and it gets a little weird. Because mm-hmm. you get one yeah. judge to tell you one thing, and then you 
and then you know another may not agree with what they're saying. I wonder. Yeah. If, I wonder if they they kind of like think about that when uh, yeah. they're selecting judges, just the yeah. series in general. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I mean, I know with uh, the shootout this year, so Chelsea Denofa is coming up to be one of the judges. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he's coming up, and, and I don't know right now. I think Sean's the other judge, and then there's another judge as well. I don't know who it is yet, but I think that the judging should be pretty on point for it. I would think so. They'll probably be using. I would. I'm not 100% sure what. As far as how it's going to be, but usually it's pretty good, I would say. Most of them are they're able to get in, they're all able to agree on the same thing. At least that, that's what I found for it. So, um, what other judges are you guys getting, or do you, what other judges do you guys normally have there? Is Sean a judge? Yeah, Sean's a judge. Um, we've had like John Burns' dad and. I think the last one uh, we had at the last mission we had Ian Fournier. He used to compete mm-hmm. in pro spe- in uh, pro two, so he was that he was the judge. John Bernstadt and then Sean Hardham was the judge for last year. Mm, okay. So, and I believe this year Ian's driving. He's competing, so then it'll be Denofa Hardham. And then I'm not sure who the third judge is yet. I don't think it's been released. Released or figured out. Yeah. I'm, they might have just not like put it on the site for it as far as who it's going to be yet. But I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be probably someone that's been a judge prior. So I can think of a few people off the top of my head, but just not set in stones to who it's going to be. I wonder if it has to be anybody who's like an official driver or something like that. Like an FD? Yeah, official FD. Like, um, well, Denofa's going to be that one. That's, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering if Denofa would count as that because he's technically a competitor and not necessarily an FD employee. Uh, I think that they were weighing that in as an official person because Lontang couldn't make it out for it, is what I was told. So it was... If you're going to host the sanctioning event for it, you have to have someone from FD. Since I think initially we were going to have Rome, but then he couldn't make it. And then, yeah, we managed to have Denofa come up. So, Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, should be a good time. Um, so. Well, do you, uh, what are your. What is the goal for that round? I mean, probably, like, I mean, drives, I mean, he's the best I can, really. I mean, just uh, see what happens. I mean, if, if I do manage to do good, that's great. If I don't, it is what it is. I mean, really, it's just, like, usually if there's a, if I don't win, like, kind of, like, a battle against someone, usually there's a reason behind it that was myself being the heir as far as, <laughs> a result of me not advancing. It's not usually like, I don't really say that it's like, in a, like the, ju- like a lack of judging usually for that. I mean, usually like I'd rather it be like a pretty decisive, like call that I, I like win a battle for it. So if I don't win, it's not the end of the world, but obviously I would like to <laughs> try to at least win the event would be the, 
perfect scenario, I would say, but oh, I guess time will tell, right? So, what's your um, what's your program like? Do you have like do you have um, like a set crew, like a, an actual crew that you have that comes out with you and kind of works with you, or do you have just kind of like anybody you can get to come help you for the weekend? Type so, situation. yeah, for most events and stuff, it's usually like like all the fun events and stuff will be a group of friends that will pretty much like what am I like my teammate Chris like we're we kind of usually pit together so it's kind of like some of his friends and some of my friends who all be there and then usually we'll all just kind of just help each other out but on like comp days it's usually I'll have a bunch of friends that will end up coming out for it and then. We also have like Joel. We we share like a, one of the sponsors is Canadian Performance Injection. So Joel there, he's like does all of our tuning and kind of does a lot of like in the pit help and stuff. So he's going to be coming out. And then we have like Josh from Silver Maple Numeric. He's another one of the sponsors for it, and he runs like a performance shop. He comes out there there for like support and helping out. And yeah, you have a lot of guys that kind of just step up and like help out. But most of them are just like close friends for it that come out and wrench. So it's, it's not really like a, a set crew. It's like whoever can make like, the trip out and stuff. And usually like for the mission round, we use it as kind of like a, a holiday in a sense. So, but yeah. All right. Well, that's, it's a, it's a team effort. And I was curious as to how people kind of get it done. Cause I know, some people have the team set up, and I've seen like program guys who have like a big team set up, which is kind of uh, a lot. I've noticed um, where they'll have like the full truck, the full trailer, like a whole race team set up, just to show up and maybe qualify 14th if they're lucky, um, and then not get past the top 16. Um, but some people got money like that. Uh, and then you see the the small guy who like shows up with him, his fucking mom who made sandwiches, and his dad who's spotting for him, and like one guy to change tires. And they're yeah. like, you know, in the final four type situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's it's like we have a so our strange. team's not like yeah no definitely without a doubt yeah our team uh, yeah it's a it's a great group of people there like I wouldn't be able to like especially last round of mission, it was like those guys like in girls kind of pulled together. So like it was, it was pretty cool to see all the work that they were able to do. And like, even if we ever have an issue in the pits, like I know that Chris is having the tranny issues. It was all hands on deck. Like everyone goes over, helps him with that. And it was, yeah, it was everyone just whatever it takes to get that guy on track. It was, it's just a good team effort. It's, it's pretty cool to see like, and it's, I wouldn't be able to do like much of what I have been without those guys. So like they're, they're the backbone. It's, it's a hundred percent a team effort. Like you can't, you can't do it all yourself. There's no way. For sure. For sure. And that's um, just the, the importance of having like a group, a good group of people that's, it's, it's really nice. So what's your, uh, your tow rig, your tow rig and your trailer setup like? I know some so, people like that answer question. Yeah, so that's I'm running. 
I have like a 2003 Dodge Ram 3500. So just like uh, with like a long box. So six speed manual. I actually like just picked it up last year and it, it happens to be an Arizona truck that kind of got imported here. Okay. So it's pretty much, well, it's two wheel drive. So I only drive it in the summer and it's, as of right now, it's rust free, which is a pretty rare thing to have here in uh, Alberta, just because there's like in the winter, there's so much salt in the roads, it just like eats away at all the bodies, so like the chassis. It's that's weight in gold right now. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I got that. And then I run, uh, I just have an 18 foot open deck trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So simple relatively setup. simple. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like a tire rack on your trailer or do you just throw everything in the back of the truck? Uh, no, don't have one yet. I'm, uh, I'm probably going to try to get one on uh-huh. eventually here. So I think, uh, yeah, it was only until like this year that I, I just like pulled the trigger and finally bought it tra- like a newer, tra- uh, like a new trailer. Uh-huh. I was actually, bor- last year I was borrowing a, a friend of mine's trailer who was, uh, like he wasn't driving that season. Shout out to Rick for uh, lending me his trailer and stuff. And yeah, he was. Uh, I ended up using him for pretty. He's much like, the don't whole... fucking tell people that. I don't need more people asking me to borrow it. No, no, yeah, because you know, as, as soon as you have a trailer, everyone's like, "Hey, man, it's been a while. Like, you think I could borrow that trailer?" Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's good. So yeah, so far it's been uh, it's a pretty good setup. So I'm happy with it. So. It's nice to have a kind of a reliable tow rig setup, so it's work. It's working so far. Let's hope it holds out for the rest of the year. What would you say that is absolutely mandatory for you to take to the track for competition? Let's leave. Let's leave a few things outside. We'll leave a spotter outside of this. I feel like that's a known necessity. Tire changer. Uh, actually, we'll just leave crew out of it altogether. Um, but what would you say is absolutely mandatory, like within your pit setup? Mandatory, like Something as far that, as like, I don't know. It could be, don't be like a, a you know, a tent and chairs. But like, what what else outside of the the basics would you say you feel is a mandatory thing? Well, like I mean, first off would be like your toolbox. I mean, you can't really go to the track without it. So if I don't have my tools, no, that's I can't a given. Really... I was I was I was looking more specific for something like you found super useful that's like outside of the, maybe not what everyone else has. Like everyone has tools, everyone has a you know a tent and chairs, right, and some sort of crew. But is Man, there, you got, you is got there, me, yeah, you got me stumped here. Like I mean, I can't even really think of something like that's pretty much. Uh, I know I have like a set of like drive on ramps that make it really accessible to kind of access jack points on the car. So I guess that would count as one thing. That is one thing. That is actually a great point because some of these yeah, cars it's... are fucking low. Well, yeah, like I pretty much have like a pretty large jack, so it's pretty much impossible to get under unless you have those kind of ramps. Mm-hmm. So at least it bumps it up. It's easy enough. You don't have to worry about like clipping your bumper or anything like that. It only raises it a couple inches, okay. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much just like a it's like a two three inch raise, and it's it's enough. Like I mean, you can just get under there, get onto the subframe, and jack it up. And so without that, um, wow, I'm trying to think of what else would be a crucial thing here, because I mean, yeah, okay, 
just like a track. I like I'm thinking, honestly, like like water and food. Like I mean, that's given. I feel like that's given. But I but mean, to be fair, I've seen people given, not man, show up so with that. People, man, so many times like people don't show up with it. Like you ever get dehydrated at the track when it's so hot? Oh, like, you know who's? Uh, excuse me. Down here, Nick Belserzak is fucking famous for that. Uh, unfortunately, he just recently had his, uh, he has a, a green S13 that he just finished rebuilding, um, after a couple of years and a enclosed trailer he just recently got stolen without a trace gone. Holy cow. It's been like over a month from my understanding. And that bad boy is gone. Um, with the dog box in it and everything. All that good stuff. Um, yeah, but he, I remember him being like notorious for like coming to the track and then he's like, You guys got water? I forgot water. I was like, Of course you did. <laughs> There's plenty in there. Have some. Yeah, you know, I think that that's, uh, yeah, sometimes you can, when it comes to like like packing for like a trip, like I almost need to do it like, like a two day prior thing. Yeah. To just like, you go get everything packed and then you go away for the day and then you come back to the final pack and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm missing this. It's like, oh, I almost forgot my helmet. And you're able to just go through everything twice that way. Like you pretty much think that you got everything. I mean, you're still going to end up at the track and realize that you forgot something. Like It's always fucking something too. Yeah. Like I remember last year at mission, I was kind of in recovery mode after the competition. We had the event and, you can ask anyone of like the other guys that like any of my like the pit members and yeah, I pretty much rolled in. We're pretty much late to we missed the driver's meeting to top it off and roll in and so yeah, I realized that I forgot my keys to the car at the hotel. So we had to break into my car in order to like get access. Nice. So it was, uh, good times, good times. Yeah, I guess that's one thing for me, because I guess a lot of cars probably don't have locks or door locks. Some guys don't even have windows. So for me, like, I could not go to the track without my keys for it. Like, I might, like, as far as getting into the car. So if I didn't have keys, I wouldn't be able to get into my car. Yeah. So that's kind of, I guess that's like, yeah, I couldn't really go to the track without it. But yeah, honestly, I can't think of two other items for like essential stuff, like, as far as something that I couldn't go to the track without. Like, How off the top. Been, like, your lucky fucking racing boxers i was just i was just curious i wonder i'm gonna have to make that a normal question for everybody yeah that's or a, at least for the that's drivers. a good one man you gotta give some people some heads up with that like a little like pre-rundown like hey we're gonna ask these questions because like on the spot yeah i can't think of three things that oh are dude like, this thing isn't planned oh man i would have thought you would have been like dude I, I haven't the last time i did an episode was with actually the last episode was with, was with um sean hardham and, oh. uh, that was in uh i was on march 30th holy cow that's that, that's a while ago yeah man i after the pandemic dude it just kind of like fell off for me i mean i i would have i'm looking at my uh my uh list right now of like my list of shows but as soon as 2020 came along, it kind of became a shit show. Where before I was doing it like every week to two weeks. And then even actually the beginning of 2020, I have an episode out every week until what, May. 
May is when the shit, or June rather. June is when the, oh, yeah, from June 3rd to August 28th, there was a big gap. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah you were pretty consistent on it there. But yeah, I fell of... the fuck off on this thing for sure. Yeah, it's time to get back into it. Bring it back. I'm working on it, man. I've actually been yeah, listening that's... to other podcasts, and it's kind of like uh, giving me the kick in the ass I need. I don't know if you've heard, have you heard of the, the Goodest Cast. Yeah, I've heard it partially. Yeah, uh, I've listened to a couple of their, his episodes. I like his stuff. Um, and he just has like just a whole bunch of like drifting people on. He's like not specific to like drift to pro am or anything. Um, I guess more or less grassroots or just drifting in general. Um, but he's more of like the lifestyle, and it's it, that's a really interesting show as well. I mean, I don't know the dude or anything, so if any I would, but I definitely recommend anybody to listen to it. It's a really good show. Yeah, I've uh, I've listened to maybe a like a, a couple for it, but yeah, they're they're decent podcasts. I mean, yeah. I, I like them. The Ken yeah, Gishi episode is what actually pulled me in, and yeah. then I just started listening to others here and there. No, that's, that's gonna have to probably l- listen to that one. I didn't know that he even did one. Yeah, so. it was uh, that's it was pretty interesting. because uh, he's he doesn't he gives you um, a different perspective as you know maybe not something he would have said on like i feel like when they were doing maximum drift cast a lot of them still try to retain their professionalism so to speak i'm not saying he went unprofessional on this on the goodest cast but it was just a different kangushi it felt like like he just yeah. kind of explains the ins and outs and the struggles of uh yeah because I, I yeah i don't doubt that there's struggles as a Pro one FD driver. Yeah, someone who's been it since like the beginning, as a child. Yeah, you've rode uh, the highs and the lows. That's yeah, how it works, right? For like, sure. I mean, and he's stuck to it. Like that's that's the big thing, right? Like I mean, not many people do or can. Yeah, exactly. So well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. All right, man. I yeah. think I'm gonna call it a night, sir. What time is it over? Sounds there? good. Yeah, it was good chatting with you, man. Yeah, same here. What time is it out there? Uh, it's uh, it's ten ten. Ten ten. Oh, okay. You're only an hour off of me. Okay, not too bad. Yeah. When you so. said your time zone, I was like, I didn't even know that was a time zone. I know of like Eastern yeah. time zone. Central well, now time you know, zone. right? <laughs> yeah, exa- I always forget that like there's other places in the world besides California. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh. Thank you for coming on. Uh, how can people find you on social medias and if they want to get in contact with you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's my first name and last name, so Ryan Druss on Instagram. And then, yeah, that's pretty much my main social media contact. I mean, you can find me on Facebook, just Ryan Druss Racing, if you wanted to. So, yeah, more than willing to answer kind of any questions if you ever message me or anything like that. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you again for coming on. You have a good one. Yeah, anytime. All right, talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. See ya.